Hello. Good morning, Mount Zion. Good to see you all. Good to see the friendly faces in the crowd. Thank you for being at church. It's good to uh, share Christ with you in this building, and uh, thanks for being here. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and open up in prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, this is your house, and we are your people. And as we're here today, uh, Jesus, Lord, uh, first of all, we're just thankful uh, that we know you. We're thankful that we love you, and we're thankful, even more thankful, that you love us, each of us, each of us in this congregation. And we're thankful that you've provided this house for us all to be in so that we could worship you together, celebrate you, and also share you with each other in this congregation. And that is really a wonderful thing. And as we go through today, Lord, uh, we have uh, Dennis. Brother Dennis is going to bring the word today, and we know it's going to be fantastic. And uh, we just pray, Lord Jesus, that you anoint him and give him your words, and we know you will, Lord. And I pray that everybody in this congregation just gets touched, touched by your spirit, your Holy Spirit. May he come in and just bring wisdom, kindness, love, and take out all the worries and doubts and all the stresses that go on in this everyday life, Jesus. So I was talking to um, my brother Steve over there, and we were just sharing a moment, and uh, we're ministering to each other, and as Steve said, isn't Jesus great? He just takes it all away. Our job is faith. What a wonderful word to deliver. And Lord, we just pray for this service, and we're going to start with some worship with uh, Sister Sarah to get this going. And we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray this prayer. Amen. Feel free to stand or sit. Just worship. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful where the streams of abundance flow blessed be your name blessed be your name when i'm found in the desert place though i walk through the wilderness blessed be your name every blessing you pour out When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the glorious name. When the sun's shining down on me When the world's all as it should be Blessed be your name Blessed be your name On the road marked with suffering Though there's pain in the offering Blessed be your name
Thank you, Sister Sarah. Well, as many of you know, we're in transition, and uh, be in prayer for Pastor Eric, who's actually been helping us out behind the scenes the last two weeks, getting the church services going. So I know you're out there, Pastor Eric, so thank you for all you've done to help us out. And uh, be in prayer for Pastor Eric and Pastor Debbie as they transition to their church in Missouri, and I think they're actually leaving Pine Grove in the next few days. And uh, again, hold them up in prayer, and uh, we just pray that their uh, ministry goes incredibly well back there in Missouri. As we are transitioning, just so you know, uh, we do have a um, board, and the board has been working uh, pretty hard, actually, um, on doing things, of course, getting services going and taking care of the church business, but also uh, in the search for a new pastor. Again, it's a process that we're doing diligently, and we want to be thorough in that we're doing it. And uh, we'll probably have more news for you on that in the next few weeks, but we are doing some things in regards to that, so talking to people and working with the district on that at this particular point. Um, did want to do some announcements today as far as um, what goes on with the church. Um, of course, preaching today, as we talked about, that'll be Brother Dennis, and we really appreciate that. Thank you, Dennis. Also, um, Wednesday nights, Brother Dennis is doing a great series for us. And um, I was there Wednesday night, and it's called Real Christianity from John's Letters. That's a really good time. It starts at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Real nice format. Um, Brother Dennis brings some scriptures forth to us. He adds his own thoughts, but it's a great time to round table, share Christ. And scriptures speak differently to everybody. Um, and so what's great about a Bible study is a particular scripture might speak to one person in a different way that it speaks to another person. And so it gives everybody the opportunity to kind of see how those scriptures are talking to each other. It's a great time of sharing, great time of learning, and a great time of fellowship. And again, that's 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Jerry Windsor, a member of our board, she's uh, heading a Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sundays. That's a video series, and again, great time of sharing. And that's a Max Lucado series, and that's called In the Footsteps of the Savior. And that's every Sunday at 9 a.m., and I believe we have hot coffee available, right, Jerry? All right, okay, there you go. With sweeteners, by the way, and creamer. How about that? Um, seniors, and we thank Lionel, another board member of ours, and Brenda, who's actually been doing an incredible job getting your bulletins ready and doing our office work. And anyway, we have a refresh. That's our senior potluck. Um, that's uh, however you define senior, but we're very loose on the definition of that, just so everybody knows. And that's at 6 p.m. this Thursday night, and that'll be downstairs of the church. And uh, talk to Brenda, and uh, as far as that goes. Sandwich Sunday is coming up. That's going to be February 4th. Uh, Hugh, another one of our board members, and Eva will be heading up that. And the theme is, since February is the month of love, and our God is love, right? So anyway, the theme will be on February 4th, Foods You Love. Okay, got it? All right, for Valentine's Month. So that'll be February 4th. Um, Next week is kind of important. If you're a member of this church, um, we would like you to stay after service for a few minutes. We do have a special uh, meeting that's going on. And really what the meeting's about is we're supposed to do uh, by our bylaws an annual business meeting. 
by the end of January, but we're kind of trying to postpone this meeting, but we need a vote to postpone the meeting, and so that'll be short. And the reason that we want to postpone the meeting is we'd really like to shore up our membership list and really go through the process of uh, selecting a new pastor, and that way we would have a new pastor aboard before our next annual business meeting is really what we would like to do. So anyway, so what we're looking to do, um, and just as far as membership goes, we have certain people that have been attending this church, and we thank you for that, and we love that you're here. Um, but we would like to have you as a member. <laughs> so anyway, um, we have membership applications back there. You'll probably have some board members uh, tugging your shirts, asking you to be a member. Of course, if you're not a member, we always love for you to join the church. What membership does, it allows you to vote on certain matters regarding the church such as basically if we do have a new pastor candidate candidating to be the pastor of this church that will allow you to vote whether we want to basically select that pastor or not select that pastor other board member um I mean, other membership things that we would do is you're voting on real estate and things like that. It's really about the business of the church, but we do like people that are attending this church to have a say, and we do like you to be uh, members. If you do sign up for that, we will have a brief membership class. Um, we haven't asked uh, Brother Dennis to head that up yet, but we might. So anyway, so he's laughing. He goes, yeah, whatever, Bob. All right, okay. So thank you, Dennis, for your serving to this church. You're the best. All right. Uh, giving statements uh, were handed out, were mailed out last week. And we thank, uh, again, Lionel and Brenda for getting that going. And uh, anyway, if you have not received your giving statement for 2023, let us know. Okay? It should have been in the mail last week. Okay? Um, again, a lot of stuff coming up. And so anyway, um, we're excited about that. And we are going to return back to worship, which means I'm going to bring... Uh, Sarah up there. Anything I forgot, anybody? No? Oh, yeah, meet and greet. That's right. We're doing meet and greet. Okay, so meet and greet for five minutes, and then uh, we'll call it back to order roughly in five minutes. All right. Thank you, everybody.
All right, welcome back. Those online. Yeah, it's a friendly congregation, so. <laughs> People like each other. That's the way it's supposed to be, and that's, that's a great thing, so. Probably need two hours, right? Anyway, we're going to uh, do our offering um, as far as it goes, and let's, let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, again, uh, again, as it says, our job is faith, Lord. You provide, Lord. You provide our finances. You provide our health. You provide life. You provide us with opportunities. You provide us with friendships. You provide us with family. We believe in this church as believers that you're the sustainer of all, Lord. Um, you do ask, uh, Lord God, that we give back in return as a sacrifice, Lord God. And uh, Jesus, uh, whatever you put on people's heart to give for the sustaining of this church uh, in your kingdom, Lord. Uh, we just pray that you touch their hearts with the Holy Spirit as far as it goes. Lord, we always pray for a um, spirit of generosity, whether within this church or outside of this church, despite the stresses of this world, Lord. We pray as Christians that we're just different and that we don't feel all the stresses of the outside world. But Lord, we feel the generosity of basically that you give us and the fearlessness that you give us as far as finances and all this life goes, Lord. Let us not worry and let us not stress us about those things. Give us that confidence, Lord, and give us that fear, Lord God, that allows us to be as much as close to perfect love as we can be. And may that show in our generosity to the church and others outside of this church. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. And upcoming is Sarah to start our next song while we're taking offering.
just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your God. Come, come. You know, there's a very strong message in that song. We do not wait till we're perfect to come to God. We come to him as we are. He's the one that makes us worthy. Is nothing we can do, only what God does for us. So when you come and we're preparing for worship and we're worshiping and we're preparing our hearts for the message and what God has for us with Pastor Dennis, Just know, and when people say, oh, I can't go into the church, the roof is going to fall. No, he wants us to come as we are. What happens is in our relationship as we grow and as we see. And so we have to know, without a shadow of a doubt, that God loves us no matter where we are in our walk. Even if we don't have a walk with him yet, we can come as we are, and he can make the difference. He can duplicate himself through us, but we have to be willing to come. Amen. And why? Because he's great. Great are you, Lord.
You may be seated. Thank you, Sarah. Leading us in worship. Appreciate that. And, uh, well, it's time for uh, Brother Dennis to bring the word today. Uh, so join me in uh, welcoming Brother Dennis to come up here and uh, deliver the word. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Yes. How many of you, this is your first Sunday in church this year? <laughs> first Sunday here in church this year. <laughs> Last Sunday, uh, I guess you guys got frozen out, and I'm grateful that the Lord has provided to let John speak when it's cold, and, uh, and I get to speak when it's warm. So that works out just fine for me. I um, yeah, praise the Lord. Well, it's good to see you all this morning, and uh, it's good to be back. I got to enjoy the New Year's with my son, my oldest son. Some of you prayed for him. He had, uh, a year ago, I was in um, Salt Lake City with him as he was fighting his cancer. And, uh, you know, I've, I've often said it that you don't wish cancer on the young, but the young are strong enough to fight it. And uh, when we get older, we're weaker, we're, it's tougher on us, and uh, the fight is, is grievous, although it certainly is not pleasant for the young. And I'm grateful that the, he, he found out he had cancer with stage four, started out in a bad spot, and uh, yet today he's in total remission, and uh, we got to just enjoy a week together, and uh, thank you for your prayers for him. And uh, I, I might as well, some of you may not have heard, I also had a daughter who had some pretty, uh, she's had a tough life. She, she uh, had a massive seizure when she was five or six years old and has been fighting epilepsy ever since. And um, uh, she went through high school. Uh, I was so proud of her. She didn't win any honors, but she had fought seizure after seizure after seizure many days missing school because the school would rather have her home when she was having seizures than at school. And she had to fight through that and graduated with good grades and uh, went on to college. And again, seizure after seizure after seizure. And um, graduated college in May of last year. And then in June of last year, she, um, uh, she had brain surgery. And uh, if any of you love the sound of that, you're sick. Uh, brain surgery is something that just scares, scared the hejibis out of me. Uh, it was successful, and she has not had a single seizure since. So, yeah, praise the Lord. Oh, there we go. Now you can hear me. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm just you know, very grateful 2023 was a year of challenges and yet a year of, of many blessings. And so I'm grateful for that. Look forward to see what the Lord has in uh, 2024. Um, I wanted to encourage you guys because in, over the next however long it is, number of weeks until the Lord brings us a pastor, uh, I would encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. You have no idea what you're going to get up here. Um, I have to thank Pastor Anna who set up, 
it's not showing yet, but uh, there we go. Set up the, uh, the, the, the slides for me today. I sent her a Word document, and she put it in PowerPoint, or whatever she did. And uh, so I'm very grateful for, for that. But uh, depending on who's speaking, you're not sure that you're going to get the scriptures up on the screen. So it would be nice to have your Bible with you so you can look them up yourself if they, uh, if they don't happen to have the, uh, the PowerPoint. If they're, if they're old and dumb like me, they won't know how to put a PowerPoint together. So uh, I just uh, encourage you to do that. And thank you, Pastor Anna, for helping us out uh, during this time. I know she's not here because of their obligations, but uh, she's working behind the scenes, and we're grateful for that. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Bible study as they pass you guys out some notes to, if you wanted to take notes from the message today, these, this is the basic outline. Um, on Wednesday nights, we're going, to, we're going to spend the bulk of the time discussing the scriptures. Uh, it will not be a lecture time for you. I don't have videos for you either, so we will be sitting there discussing. If you say something stupid, I'll tell you that's stupid. No, I'm just kidding. I won't tell you that. So you're welcome to, for your input because, honestly, this is a time for us to discover what is real Christianity, what does it look like, and how does it apply in my life. Because if you want to be a real Christian, like Pinocchio wanted to be a real boy, then um, let's learn what it means to be a real Christian. And we talked um, this last Wednesday about, um, uh, what did we talk about? Forgiveness and uh, fellowship and forgiveness. And uh, what is true Christian fellowship? We talk a lot about eating in this church, which I am very grateful for. Because if we didn't eat here, I'd have to go home and eat there. And that is not a pleasant uh, um, <laughs> option. So, but, but is... Christian fellowship, just eating together. And I suggest Christian fellowship is more than that. It's based on our mutual relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's a part of us caring for each other and um, encouraging each, each other and hearing each other. So, and then forgiveness, the key to uh, our relationship is forgiveness with each other as well as with the Lord. So praise the Lord. Um, I'm going to talk to you this morning on a topic that's advice for the new year, 2024. Um, I, I like what Pastor Eric used to say, and, and that was that uh, you, you don't want to hear my advice. You didn't come here to listen to me give you my advice. What you want is the advice of Scripture. And so this morning, what we're going to look at is the advice of Scripture, and we're going to apply it to this coming year. Um, I, I appreciated John's message last week. I thought it was a great start for the year. As, uh, and th this week I want to just hit, piggyback on that and tell you that if you'll do these ten things, you can be a Christian. Right, John? No. No. But <laughs> you won't become a Christian because you do a certain number of things, as he shared last week. It's because of the grace of God. We are saved through faith, not because we live perfectly before him. If that were the case, none of us could be a Christian. And so I'm grateful for the grace of God because I've messed up enough to need it an awful lot of times. And those who know me very well know that I still mess up enough to need it an awful lot of times. But, uh, but the way we look at this this morning is not a question of if you do these things, you can be a Christian. But because you follow the Lord, this is his advice for you on how to live your life. Okay? 
And we want to live our lives in a way that pleases him. Now, it goes back into the Old Testament, but, uh, and I wanted to encourage you guys, one of the, the first point this morning is to read your Bible, right? And we'll get to that in just a second. But, but if you're not sure how to read the Bible, I mean, we all have different, different ways to read. We have different patterns. And sometimes it's hard to even establish a pattern because we're not sure what to do. Um, I've used many different patterns through the years, and uh, there for a long period of time, I used to read one chapter in the New Testament, one chapter in the book of Proverbs, and one chapter in the book of Psalms every morning or every day. And if nothing else, that will give you a good balance of wisdom from the book of Proverbs, usually of passion and worship from the book of Psalms, and then from teaching about Christ and uh, how to live for Christ through the New Testament. Now that's just an idea, just a suggestion. Uh, this morning, before I get started, I have good news and I have bad news. I'll just be honest with you. I like to preach from Proverbs chapter 3. Um, whether I preach from it every year or not, I focus on it every year in my own life. And it's a popular scripture for me. So yesterday morning, I was at the Japanese church in Sacramento, and I preached from this passage of scripture, and I did it in less than 40 minutes. That's the good news. The bad news is, I only taught from the first eight verses of this chapter in less than 40 minutes. There are how many verses? 30 some odd verses in Proverbs chapter 3. So I'll do my best to get us out of here before 1. You guys are up. You're just willing to sit here till 1 o'clock, aren't you? I'm surprised. All right, very good. Well, hey, let's take a look. Um, you know, it's a good time for us to kind of focus on new plans, new thoughts, new. Uh, you, you know, a lot of people do a New Year's resolution. How many of you, by the way, did a New Year's resolution this year? Anybody? I never do New Year's resolutions. <laughs> I, I have, I, I, I used to when I was younger, and then I, you know, one thing I found out a few years ago, I was in Sacramento, and I was working out every week out of the local gym, um, a fitness center or whatever, and an interesting thing happens every year in January. You show up the first week of January, and every machine is packed. There are people on every single machine. You have to wait in line to get a machine to do your exercises. There are people everywhere. You're bumping into people in the locker room. You're, you're, you know, you're having to wait for the weights or, your, or the machine to do your walking or jogging or whatever it is you do. There's people everywhere. By April, that place is a ghost town. Because in January, everybody had New Year's resolutions to change their life in the year, whatever it was. And I found that, you know, oftentimes we start well, but we don't finish well. And so when we look at this, it's, it's, it's a good idea to keep in mind that these are, are direction points for us to live our lives by, not just for this week or this month or the first half of this year, but really for the rest of your life. This is not a short-term commitment. This is a way to follow God in a way that will honor him and bless you. Okay, so let's start by reading um, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. First, we're challenged to prioritize the Bible in our lives. His teaching, his commandments, they're found in the Bible. You won't hear a new commandment from me that you need to pay any attention to. His commandments are in the Word of God. And so to know what his commandments are, then we need to read the Word of God. We need to know what they are in the first place. You don't go on living your life and forget God's teaching. Um, you keep the teachings of Scripture in your heart, but you have to know the teachings of the Bible to keep them. Now, the emphasis here is on heart, right? Um, I'm reminded of the story of the little boy who the, the teacher said to him, Johnny, sit down. He was up, bouncing around, jumping around. He was just, you know, like little boys are, they're full of energy. And, uh, and the teacher says, sit down, Johnny. And Johnny just keeps on running around, jumping up and down and everything. Teacher says, Johnny, sit down, a little firmer. And then finally, she says, Johnny, sit down. Johnny sits down. And then he raises his hand and the teacher says, yes, Johnny. He says, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> and sometimes that's the way we follow God's commands. We do them on the outside, but our heart isn't in it. And I promise you, if your heart isn't in it, you'll only do them for so long. You'll do them as long as you know you're being watched, right? This is the problem with, with sometimes with our faith. Our, what we really believe is evidenced by what we do in private, not but what we do in public, although that certainly has an, an impact and it's important what we do in front of others, but it's, it's what's in our heart. So when you go to keeping God's commands, first of all, you have to commit to, to them in your heart. Begin to love the commands of the Lord. Some of them you're not going to understand. Some of them you're going to go, what, when you read them. And you know, by the way, there are, there are uh, you know, if you're not sure, uh, I would say Google it but you never know what you're going to get from uh, the internet. But if you're not sure, come ask your pastor. Say, Pastor, what in the world does this mean? I don't get this. And sometimes you'll get a, get a chance. So I get a kick out of every once in a while a media personality or politician will quote the scripture about something, usually to support their particular philosophy or what they want done. And what's interesting is that because they don't read the Bible regularly, they have no idea the context surrounding the scripture they're quoting. And so they, most of the time, I'm, and I do mean most of the time, the public uh, speakers will just misquote scripture or misapply the scripture that they're quoting. Um, but what's worse is when someone like you and me, someone who claims to be a Christian, we, we claim to hold to the beliefs of the Bible, but we don't really know what they are. And uh, so I just challenge you, encourage you, um, Keep God's word close to you. Um, I'm not here with a message of condemnation that if you don't read the Bible, you know, at least one chapter in the New Testament, one chapter in the Old Testament every day, then you're going to hell. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that let it guide your life, but it can't guide your life if you don't know what it is, don't know what it says. And, you know, to be honest, I've read through Scripture many times, but I, I still, every time I read through, I'm, I'm going, whoa. I didn't know that was there. Just this week, I was listening to scripture before I go to bed, which is my habit. And, and I got interested in one of the most boring passages of, of scripture that you'll ever listen to. It's, it's the, the law in the Old Testament about all of the, um, 
all of the, the food directions, what you can eat and what you can't eat. And I was listening to that, and I'm like, why, did, why can't, you know, <laughs> because, because I'm not a cook, right? And, and, but recently, I've, been, I've changed my diet significantly. And when you said that what the, the Fellowship Sunday is about, bring what you like or what you love, I can't bring anything I love. I'm not allowed to eat it anymore. So... Yeah, yeah. Problem is, I can't cook what I love either. So, yeah. But, but in the Old Testament it gave all of these re, all all of these directions, and I was sitting there listening to. Uh, I don't remember in all the times that I've listened or read the Scripture, I don't remember ever one time paying attention to that part of Scripture. And then it caught my attention, and then I began to think, why did God have all these restrictions on what they could eat? By the way, you know what, you know what the answer to that is. They didn't have refrigerators. Now, that's not always the answer, but a lot of times that's the answer. They couldn't eat certain things that if it, it could kill you if you ate it and it was not prepared properly. And so he, he, he guided the people of Israel as they walked through the desert, right? For years, they walked through the desert and they had to be careful. And he guided them in that process. So anyhow, number two. 3 and 4 says, uh, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Live your life with the balance of truth and love, truth and kindness, righteousness and compassion. Um, to be honest, we all tend to lean one way or the other. Rare is the person that you find that is truly balanced in being, you know, faithful and true and righteous and 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 strict uh, and yet kind and loving and affectionate and, and it's hard for us sometimes to find that balance because we all tend to lean one way or the other. But the scripture here is saying it's not saying that you have to change your personality for this. It's saying pay attention to the both of these things. Don't allow your love and your kindness and your compassion to tell people, oh, it doesn't matter how you live, God loves you. God does love them more than you do, but he is willing to judge them. And so you have to balance that love and compassion with the, with the strict words that say, whoa, dude, you can't do that. That's not good for you. You have to, you, you have to eat healthy, Dennis. You can't eat that stuff if you want to live into your 80s. If you want to live to past 70, then you better stop eating potato chips every night, right? I actually, uh, I have a doctor friend at the Japanese church who, he, he sat me down one day and he said, Dennis, he said, people don't live into their 70s if they weigh 300 pounds or more. He just told it to me. Well, I was at 335, and, you know, it was kind of a dark time for me. I was like, well, you know what, I'm ready to go to heaven tomorrow. Who cares, right? But, but then I got to thinking about it. Well, my kids care, and, and then, you know, the dark time isn't going to last forever, and maybe I want to live past 70, and, uh, and so I decided, okay, I got to get down. By the way, you guys are the first, I think, to hear this. Um, this morning I got on the scale and I was, I crossed the 60 pound barrier 
down from 335. So I was actually 274 this morning. <laughs> and so, you, you know, there's, there's, there's a place for someone to speak to us the hard truth. And the Bible says you need to hang on to the hard truth and at the same time show compassion. Be balanced in your approach to people. Even to yourself. You know, sometimes we can be so judgmental of ourselves that we don't realize that, yeah, God wants us to clean up our act, but he loves us even the way we are. And so don't think that doing certain things is going to increase God's love for you. It won't do it. He loves you so much, that's why he is so strict with you. So let it balance, the balance of truth and kindness. Uh, then the next point is trust in God. And if you, if you ask me what my main theme for the message is today, it's this, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. Trust in God. I told Josette uh, a few weeks ago now, oh it was months ago now when I had my arm in a sling and she was driving me around places and I told her I said I trust you're driving more than I do my own you're a better driver than I am and I trust my driving folks you probably shouldn't but I do okay <laughs> and, and, and you know we tend to trust ourselves more than we trust others and sometimes we trust ourselves more than we trust God I had a I, there was a young man in uh, when I first went to Japan 40 years ago well, I'm going on 41 now. It was August of 1983. And there was a young man in the youth group that I was serving. And I, I couldn't speak Japanese, so I was kind of just, you know, fluff at the youth group. But, but uh, this young man, I, I, I couldn't believe it. He was a nice kid. I, I loved him. He was fun. He showed up one night to the youth group. He had shaved his head bald. And I watched him as he got down before the pastor, and he knelt down on, I'm, I'm not going to do it because it's too hard to get up, but knelt down on both knees, put his hands to the ground, and his face all the way to the floor. And he repented for his attitude and the way he had been living because he was a mess. He had done the same thing to his teacher at school, and uh, I forget where else he had done, maybe at work or something like that. He, he had repented. Um, Bless his heart, he was a good guy, but he had a hard time walking a straight line. And I'll never forget, because it was 20 years later, I, I run into him. Now I'm living in a different part of Japan, and I run into him in the same city, and I invite him over, and we have a great time together. He was struggling with his faith, and he said, you know, I've learned I can't trust God. I can only trust myself. And I looked at him, I said, you're the last person you can trust. And you want to know the truth? I would say the same thing to you. If you want to compare trusting God versus trusting yourself, trust God. If you want to compare trusting God versus trusting the California justice system, trust God. If you want to tr you know, kind of decide whether or not to trust God or to trust the, what you read on Facebook, trust God. Believe me. God is more trustworthy than anybody or anything else that you can come up with. And so the first point on this, leave it on these verses, trust in God's understanding, 
not our own understanding. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In 2024, you have to decide between believing and obeying God's word instead of what you think is right. <clears throat> and it says that he will make your way straight, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Um, this is not just that you'll have no trouble in life if you follow him. It's a path without wandering. You know what wandering is? The definition of wandering, my definition. It's useless exercise. You're wandering around. You don't have a point to where you're going. You, th you may think you do, but you don't. You follow him, he's got a plan for you. Um, one of the things that helped me in the last several months to lose the weight that I've lost is I got connected with my insurance and they sicked somebody on me. And they started calling me, and we had started setting up appointments to talk, and they got me on an exercise re regimen, right? And, you know, I was recovering from the surgery, and, so, and, and walking sometimes hurts my feet and my back and everything else. I had all these good excuses, and they came up with an idea. It's called water aerobics, which is great in the summertime, I'm being challenged this month, so pray for me that I can continue my water aerobics in 40-degree weather or 30-degree weather when it's raining on my head and it's 35 degrees outside. I did not enjoy that, not one bit. But um, purposeful exercise is what God will lead you to. He'll guide you in the right steps. Sometimes those right steps will take you into some pretty tough circumstances. It is not easy I started doing a new exercise a few weeks ago. I have to raise my arm and push it up against a wall. And then another one, I had to do this and push it because my shoulder had surgery. Just the first time I went to move my hand up the wall, I wanted to cry. And God will put you through things that will make you want to cry. But you know what? I can do that now. I couldn't even get this far then there are going to be difficult times that you're going to face because he led you that way so don't think that every bad experience is a bad experience um, so there's um, I better better move on here so next do not be wise in your own wise in your own eyes sorry fear the Lord and turn away from evil it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones be humble um, some of you know my personal value system is taken from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Basically cut down to three words. Be fair, be kind, be humble. Um, I'm not always good at any of those things, but those are important to me. Don't think of yourself as wise or smart or pretty or talented. Um, I had to... I used to joke around, my, my nephews and nieces were so good looking. And they were only related to me by my sister's birth. You know, they were born to my sisters. Um, can you imagine how good looking my own kids would be? That's the way I used to say it, right? And so then I started having kids and they are a good looking bunch. Or at least I think so. Well, I used to joke around and say that all the time and then, you know, my. 
I, I, won't, I won't name which one, but one of my kids is really uh, popular among the girls or the boys. I'm trying to be careful not to identify which one of my kids this is that said this. But they were kind of bragging about being so good looking that everybody liked them. And, and boy, I harangued them. And I said, you, you need to back down, dude. I said, God can put a scar on your face in a hurry. You know, don't allow yourself. Yeah, you, you know what? If you're the best tennis player in the world, the Australian Open just started up, right, this, yesterday or today in, um, on, on Sunday in Australia, which is yesterday there. And, uh, and you know, if, if you're Novak Djokovic, you're going to know you're pretty good at tennis, okay? But you don't have to go around bragging about it. And you can treat others with as much respect and kindness and thoughtfulness as, as you would if you were the worst tennis player in the world. It doesn't, you know, don't allow yourself to elevate yourself in your own thinking that says, well, because I'm pretty, I'm important, or because I'm smart, I'm better than, or because I'm good at something. All those things don't, they don't add up to a hill of beans. We need to recognize that before God, we all stand in the same place. They often say that the, that the ground at the cross is level, which means that none of us have a leg up on the other. We all have to come to the cross and bow before the Lord, bow before the King of Kings. So don't allow your arrogance to convince you that you know better, especially than God. You know, it's amazing how many people think that they know better than what the Bible says. I always found it interesting that the, there are Christians who only believe a part of the Bible, the parts of the Bible that they like. And I have to be honest with you, there are parts of Scripture that I don't understand. In fact, just this last week as I was reading through, some, I, I was just like, I don't understand why this? I, I don't understand why God directed these people to do this thing or whatever. And, and there are times that we don't understand, but don't think for a moment that because you don't understand it, it isn't true. And sometimes, sometimes Christians cut out sections of the Bible that they don't like or they don't agree with or they're uncomfortable with. And you know what you do when you do that? You become the author of your own new religion. Now, if I had to follow Jesus Christ or follow you, I think I would pick Jesus. So don't be so arrogant to think that you can cut out the portions of Scripture you don't like. Listen, if the Bible isn't worthy of our trust in parts of it, then it's not worthy in any of it. So trust the Lord. I had a man in Japan one time who, who uh, he was coming to my English class, and, and he told me, he was a... He was a, have you ever met a ninja, an actual ninja? He had the license to prove it. He was a ninja. He could kill you 10 times before you knew you were killed the first time. I mean, he threw the stars, you know, all those things, you know, quiet. He, you know, he just, and so he was, he was quite, a, 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 quite a young guy. He was an interesting character. But he told me he had taken the five major world religions and taken the best out of each one, and that's what he followed. He created his own religion. I don't remember his name, but I, if, I, if I did, I'd call it by his name. As if he had any spiritual right to create a new religion. As if he had any proof of life that showed he was better or smarter or, than anybody else to where that he had the right to create his own religion. That's what he did. Be careful that we don't do the same thing. When we put our trust in him, 
this is another, another important point on this, that God will make things good. Okay? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. One thing you have to believe about God, if you're going to trust in him, and I've said this so many times, God is a good God. You have to understand, God is good. He's not some mean ogre just sitting there waiting to, to just trounce on you if you make a mistake. He is a loving father who will discipline you. He'll give you a whipping when you need a whipping. But he will never stop loving you. My mom, oh, I hated this. I, I really, I hated this, but, it's, but now I understand it. But when I was young, I hated it when she would say this. Right when she was about to whip me, she would say, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm like, yeah, right. How could you love me with a paddle in your hand? And she broke that stupid board of education on my seat. And so, you know, as a young boy, I didn't understand that. But now I do understand it. The Bible says that if you don't discipline your kid, you hate him. It says, spare the rod, and it doesn't say spoil the child. Actually, that's a different part of that same verse. Spare the rod, you hate the child. God doesn't hate us, and the Bible says that over and over again. So understand that his discipline, all his leading, is there to bless you, to, to guide you through good steps. He is a good God, so recognize that. Number five, give to God faithfully. I didn't put this in here, guys. It was a part of, of, of Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I just I want to tell you this one story that will basically tell you everything you need to know. Um, but before I do, the principle here is that you put God first. Did you know that in the, in, in the Bible, tithing is referred to as first fruits? And in, in the Old Testament, they, rather than money, they tithed fruit. They tithed their food. They, gave it, they tithed animals. They, tithed, they, they certainly tithed money as well, but, but it was the first fruits of what they grew. I, I, I have received all kinds of vegetables and fruit and all kinds of things from people who were farmers in the church, and they bring their first of their, of their harvest to the pastor, right? This is the principle. God gets what's first. He doesn't get his last. He gets his first. So Eric, Pastor Eric used to always say, you know, give what's in your heart to give. Be a generous, a joyful giver. This is the principle behind this honoring God with our wealth. i just tell one quick story. The, the, um, there's a story of a, of a little boy that was after the Second World War, and I, I don't know if it's a true story, but I read it as if it were a true story. And um, in England, a lot, of course, England had been bombed like crazy. A lot, there were a lot of orphans just running the streets and, and looking for food. And their parents were dead, and their homes were destroyed. And, and this, this uh, uh, American soldier showed up in a jeep at this um, bakery, and and standing in front of the bakery is this little boy. He's just looking in there as they're making these donuts and all the bread and everything. And, and, uh, and the, the soldier walks up behind the little boy. The boy just didn't know he was even there. He just goes, oh, just kind of groaned to himself. And, the, and so the, the American soldier asked the boy, he said, 
He said, son, would, uh, would you like a donut? Oh, would I, he said. And so the soldier went in, he got himself some donuts, got a, a, a little bag of donuts for the little boy, and walked out and he gave the boy his little bag of a couple of donuts. And he turned around and just walked off and walked to his Jeep, and as he was about to get into his Jeep, he felt the little tug on his jacket. And the soldier turns around and looks, at, there's this little boy. The little boy looks up to him and says, Mr., are you God? God so loved the world that he gave. You can't be any more godly than when you're giving. Give to the Lord. Verse 11, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. We talked a little bit about this, accept God's discipline. All right? He will discipline you. And it will be painful. Discipline is never fun. I don't like being rebuked, even for the smallest of things. I'd rather that everybody just likes me and that agrees with me and that I do everything right. Uh, you know, I don't like to do wrong. I don't like to make mistakes. Um, I'm working on my master's degree right now online. And inwardly, I don't like it when the teacher um, corrects my papers. <laughs> Now, give me a minute, and I'm like, I'm so glad. I really am glad, because I want to learn. That's why I'm studying. And I realize that I don't know anything right now. That's why he has to correct my mistakes, because what I write may not be correct. And so he corrects me. But at first, you know, inside myself, I'm just like, oh, I just want, everybody, I just want everything to be perfect. Right? I want to do everything right. But God knows so much more than we do. Remember, it's his understanding, not our understanding. It's his way, not our way. So along the way, while we're striving to do good, we make mistakes. And then sometimes we just give up and we make stupid mistakes. And God has to come along and say, bad boy. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't call us bad boys, but he does tell us, you did wrong. And he corrects us. So allow that to happen during these times we have to be careful not to become angry or bitter at God. This is key, folks. God will put you through some tough stuff. And I've seen people just turn on God, like, God, how could God allow this to happen? I, I was reading in one of my textbooks just this week, and it told a story about a woman who was attacked by a young man as she was getting into her car. And she... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, they, they caught the guy, and, and she, she was so loving and, and so forgiving and, and everything, but, but she knew he needed to be punished for what he did. And so what she did, she told the judge, she said, yes, he did it. Yes, this is the man. Um, and yes, he does deserve to be punished, but can you please help him, because he was on drugs when he did it, help him to get into a good drug rehab, rehabilitation program. And so, yes, he's guilty, yes, he needs to be punished, but I really want to see his life turn out better. So that was her, her philosophy. Um, when the author of the book talked to her, he said, that was so horrible. That must have been terrible for you to go through. And she said to him, it happens all over the city, all the time, why not me? Why am I any more special than anyone else that I don't deserve to be attacked? Nobody deserved to be attacked. But why should I be the one person that is accepted from tough times? 
And sometimes when we go through tough times, we're like, God, well, how dare you let this happen to me? Right? Well, he allows things to happen, and he's working things out in the thief's life. He's working things out in the guy that attacked her. Uh, he's working things out in her life. And then he wound up working things out in the author of the book's life because he was so changed by her attitude in this that she didn't get mad at God because he allowed something to happen to her. That's happening to so many other people around the world at the same time. And so she was humble in the way she dealt with that, except God's discipline. I call God's discipline, by the way, God's washing machine. Um, he lets us go through tough times, and sometimes it's, it purifies us, it cleans, cleanses us. It's like being thrown into a washing machine, and we get tossed around, and turmoil, and, and struggle, and it's pushing and pulling, and, and all of this, and we come out clean. We come out better. We come out... Uh, the, the dirt's been rubbed off. You know, I, I can look back at some of the things I've been through and re recognize I'm a better person because I walked through those things. Not that I would choose to walk through them again, but I, I realize that I did come out better because of it. So, did you want to say something? Yeah, can I ask what you're Please. Um, I just want to do something with, like you said, Uh, right, yeah. So God uses these things to change us, to make us better, okay? He doesn't cause evil in the world, but he does allow evil. So understand that. God is a good God. He doesn't do evil, but he will allow evil to play out. His goal is always for the good. So seven, pursue wisdom. Now this one's a long one, so I'm not going to say much, but we're going to read a lot of scripture here. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. The wise will inherit honor, but fools display honor. And this is much of the thrust of, of um, Proverbs chapter 3. The first half is all about trusting the Lord. The second half is all about finding wisdom. Okay, so I'm going to just read on through here. Um, let me see. Um, so, for her, verse 14, for her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her, by the way, is wisdom, in case you're, you're wondering. Um, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. 
verse 23. Then you will walk in your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me stop there. Okay? So um, make it your goal this year to have greater understanding, to seek after wisdom. You know, sometimes when we get older, we, we get really stuck in our ways, right? I, I like, this is kind of a funny little ditty I, I often say, the older, the older I, I get, the better I was. We, we get to where we think we know everything, right? We think that we've got the lock on wisdom, the lock on understanding. You will never stop gaining in wisdom if you'll keep pursuing it because you ain't smart yet. When you get to heaven, then you'll be smart because then the Bible says you will, you will know as you are known. Okay? Until then, you don't know nothing yet. What little you do know, in fact, this is kind of funny because oftentimes we, we talk about young people, they know everything. And it's not until we get older that we realize we don't really know everything, right? Well, allow that to continue the older you get to recognize you still have things to learn. And so let wisdom, continue to seek wisdom, to seek understanding, to seek, seek discretion. Let it constantly change your way of thinking and change your life. Okay, and then number eight, do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and it will keep your foot from being caught. I have to be honest with you, I almost hate watching the news anymore. The last few years, you know, you either fear the sickness or you fear the government. And the Bible says don't. Don't fear it. Don't let it consume your heart to the extent that you walk around afraid. We had a woman in one of our Japanese churches that came in and drove another woman out because she wasn't vaccinated. I wasn't there or I'd have shut that down hard. But she was so afraid and, and she had reason to be afraid. Someone close to her had died from COVID. And so she was just, but she had allowed the fear to just consume her to the point where she drove people out of the church. Now, she hadn't been back, um, and so I haven't had to have that conversation with her. But if you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. You want to wear masks, wear masks. But you make those decisions based on what you think is best and what you think is right. Don't allow fear to drive you to doing crazy things. You may, be a, you may think that the government's going crazy, and, and we might all agree with you on some level at certain things, but don't fear. Don't allow it to control you and to drive your life to such an extent that you're consumed by it. The Bible says not to be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. I'm just telling you, we've got as wicked a group of leaders in this country as they have in most other countries. Okay? Don't walk around in a fear of what they're going to do and what they're going to say. You can serve God even if the rest of America turns against God. You can still serve him faithfully. You don't have to walk around in fear. You don't have to be afraid of what America is going to turn into. And you don't want to allow fear to control your life. My 80-year-old my mother, she... Um, my mother and my sisters and their husbands and me, we've all been, we were all vaccinated. I got a better vaccine. I haven't been sick. Okay. They all got COVID. 
But my mom, she said it like this. She said, well, I was almost, I was 80 years old, 80 plus years old. I decided that for me it was probably better to do it. But if I die, fine. <laughs> I'm ready to go. If we are all going to die one day, you can take all the vaccines in the world. I read an interesting quote from uh, uh, Dr. Ward one time, who was a, a, a famous speaker in the Assemblies of God. And uh, I'll never forget, it. it said that, talked about a man who watched what he ate, he exercised faithfully every day, he was as healthy as a horse, and he got hit by a train crossing the railroad tracks. We're all going to go one day, folks. You, we don't make it out of this life alive. Nobody does. <laughs> okay? So don't walk around in fear of it. Serve the Lord. Don't allow fear to run your life. Could you guys hear that too? Yeah. I have to set my alarm or I'll talk all day. So you're glad, you should be glad to have heard that. All right, um, number nine, be generous, not stingy. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to do it, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it. So I put be generous, not stingy. Twice in this chapter, the, uh, the author of Proverbs brings up money. And I can tell you why, okay? I can make it real simple for you. Because money is so important to all of us. And I, I, was, I, I was a part of a missions convention in a large church in Sunnyvale, California, a few years back. And uh, I'll never forget what the pastor said to us as missionaries. He said, I don't want you even to talk about money to people. He said, I know you all have financial needs. And, he said, and we, have, we had communicated to him what our financial needs were. So he knew what our needs were. Um, but he said, I don't want you to bring those up. He said, I want you to share your heart. He said, I want you to tell people about the needs of your community. I want you to tell people about, about your ministry. I want you to share what burdens you, what passions drive you. He said, because... I am convinced of one thing. He said, people's hearts are tied to their wallets. This is why God brings this up. Be not because he wants your money, but because he wants your heart. And you cannot give him your heart and keep your wallet aside. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I, I love the story. Of, and by, by the way, it, it kind of covers up, it covers two different sections of giving, by the way. The first one was giving to God. If you notice that in the scripture, it was giving to God. Um, give him your first fruits. That's where the tithe comes in. That's what you give to the church. Did you know that it's biblical to give to the church so that the pastor can get paid? Did you realize that's actually a good thing, not a bad thing? Um, any pastor who comes to this church isn't getting rich, so don't even, don't even feel like you're being great to him, okay? Uh, but that's what we do. That's, that's in the plan of scripture to provide for the pastor so that he can feed you spiritually. Okay, that's Old Testament starts way back, back at the beginning and, and it continues on in the New Testament as well. But this is talking about generosity as a principle. You know, you can, you can fill out a tithing envelope every Sunday and still be as stingy as can be. There's a, a story that I love this story. This, 
this guy, he's down and out, he's homeless, he's, and, it's, and it's cold and rainy, and, and he's walking along just not sure where to go, not sure who to turn to, and he sees this inn, and it says, Inn of St. George and the Dragon. This is in England somewhere, and it's the Inn of St. George and the Dragon. He goes up and he knocks on the door, and, and this, the butler comes to the door, and he says, What do you want? He says, Please, sir, can you, can you spare anything, just a little something to eat. He said, I haven't eaten in several days. And the man says, go away. We've got nothing for you. So he turns away and walks off. And, and uh, he, he gets back to the street and he turns around and he looks in of St. George and the dragon. He goes back up and knocks on the door and the same guy comes to the door and says, I told you to go away. We don't have anything for you. And he says, excuse me, sir, but this time, can I talk to St. George, please? Okay, this will come to you eventually, St. George and the dragon. Okay, some of you really need an education in humor, guys. The first guy was the dragon. He wanted to talk to St. George. Okay, come on. So don't be the dragon, right? When people have need, even if you can't help them, you don't have to say, Go away. Get out of my face. You know, um, I, I stumbled ac across a scripture in my reading, um, boy, probably a couple years ago now. And it said this, and it changed the way I give to people on the street. It said, giving to the poor is loaning to the Lord. When you give to the poor, you loan to the Lord. It didn't say give to the worthy poor. And it didn't even say you have to give to the poor, but it said when you give to the poor, you are loaning to the Lord. Well, you know what? If Steve comes and says, hey, Dennis, can I get $20 from you? I'm not totally sure Steve's going to give me back my $20 eventually. He, times may get hard, and Steve just doesn't have it. He may die tomorrow, and I don't get it back. But you know what? You loan to the Lord, you're getting your $20 back. You give to the Lord... Now you give to the poor, it's loaning to the Lord. The Bible throughout Scripture says be generous, be kind, provide, help the people you can. We read previous Scripture that, that talks about not you know, turning away your neighbor unnecessarily. And then finally, uh, these three promises. Okay? Um, For the devious are an abomination to the Lord, and then I've underlined in my my notes, but he is intimate with the upright. He walks with the person who is faithful to him. Okay? He is intimate with the upright. <laughs> I was down in Las Vegas this, uh, over the New Year's with my son, and I invited a pastor out to go to eat because I consider him a friend. But to be honest, we're not close friends. But if you were to hear me talk about him, you would probably think we were. And sometimes, you know, uh, I, this is my one claim to fame. I always tell people that I preached for Sarah, what's her name, the vice president nominee with, oh, what's, huh? Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin, yeah. I preached for Sarah Palin and she liked my message. I preached up in Wasilla, Alaska when she was a member of the church in Wasilla as a young lady. 
Now, I have no idea if she was there when I preached, but that's my one claim. Sometimes, you know, we talk about, oh, they're my friend, you know, like, like you know, this famous person is our friend, like, because we met him one time, shook their hands or something, you know. But with God, he says, if you're faithful, he is intimate with you. You can say to people, I know God. He's my friend. We talk every day. If you talk every day to somebody, they're your friend. Well, depending on what you're saying, that is. But, but I mean, yeah, yeah. he is intimate with you. That's the promise of Scripture. If you will follow him and you will seek after him in the year 2024, he will be intimate with you. You will never have to turn to anyone else for advice. Not that you don't. But he is there for you. He'll put his arm around you in your, in your saddest, most difficult times. He'll be there for you anytime you call on him. He is never going to look at you and say, leave me alone. He's not that way. That's not his character. Remember, he's a good God. So everything he does is good. He is not capable of doing mean things and bad things and wrong things. And the things we don't understand, it's because we don't understand. <laughs> okay. So he is intimate with the upright. And the second, verse 33, the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. He blesses the home of the one who is faithful to him. Please don't misunderstand this. It doesn't mean that you are going to live in a mansion next week. It doesn't mean that he's going to drop a bunch of gold and wrap it around your house and, your, and, and when everybody else has to put up these silly little Christmas lights, you're going to have gold shining on the rafters of your house. That's not what that means. I'm certain he might bless you financially, but he's going to bless your life. He's going to bless your home. There, even in your challenges, you're going to recognize God's hand on your home, on your family, on your residence, on your time He's going to bless your home. You live in his way, and you will have his blessing. And then finally, verse 34, though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. Remember we talked about God doesn't, um, doesn't promise that you won't have hard times. He doesn't make that promise. In fact, to be honest, he promises you will. I hate it when I close it and then I can't remember that, what I just said. I've got a good memory. It's just really short. He gives grace to you in your time of great need. Okay? When you're walking through afflictions, listen, he's there. He really is. He, he's there with you. You may have heard this story, but I'm going to close with this. And if you have, then I think you'll enjoy it again. It's called The Footprints in the Sand. Um, it's on plaques all over every Christian bookstore. It, it's just a phenomenal story. It's a story of a man, and I, I'm not reading it, so I won't quote it perfectly, but the story of a man who was walking through life, and he comes to a, and he, was it he saw a dream or something like that, and he saw, looked back on his life, and he saw footprints in the sand that represented his life as he was walking through life. And then at some point, when he gave his heart to Christ, he saw two sets of footprints as Jesus walked with him. And the Bible says that I will be with you always 
to the end of the age. That, that's beyond you, folks. It's beyond your body's ability to live. In other words, he's with you all the way to heaven. Okay? And, and he's walking with him through the footprints, and, and you can see the two sets of footprints. And then it came a time where they went through a rocky se season, and there was only one set of footprints. And the man was troubled by this. And he asked the Lord, he said, why in the most difficult season of my life did you leave me? And the Lord said, my son, I didn't leave you. I carried you. He will be there in the difficult times. I don't know all of your stories, but I know some of your stories. And I know some of you, probably all of you, have been through some pretty rough seasons of life. And I think if you look back, you can recognize that those weren't times when you were walking alone. Those were times when he carried you. He promises to give grace to you in your time, in your time of greatest need. He's there. You may not feel him. You may look back and go, what in the world happened? Where were you, Lord? But you have to understand he is a good God. He does not leave you. Even if you were not perfectly faithful, he remains faithful, the Bible says, because he cannot deny himself. He is who he is. I am who I am, which is not always a good thing. And so sometimes I'm able to shine, and other times I don't shine so well. He always shines. Stand with me for a moment, and we'll close in a word of prayer. I want to pray a prayer, and I'm, I just encourage you in your own hearts to pray with me. And we'll close with this. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful because we know that we can trust in you. And while we know that, Lord, sometimes we get so caught up in our own way of thinking and our own wisdom and our own uh, talent or, or whatever, Lord, that we, we just ignore you. And uh, I'm grateful, Lord, that in those times you still walk with us. Sometimes when we're walking through difficult trials and difficult times, Lord, you see our hearts and you see our lives and you see our, our commitment to you and to your word. And, and the Bible says that you, you, you apply grace, like putting salve on a wound, you apply grace to our hearts in those difficult times, in those times of affliction. Lord, we trust in you this morning. We just declare this morning that in the year 2024, we will trust you. Help us not to rely upon ourselves. Help me, Lord, not to rely on my own wisdom, my own current understanding of Scripture, or my own belief of what's right and wrong. But help me, Lord, to constantly pursue wisdom through your word and through a relationship with you. Lord, help me, Lord, to... Be generous. Help me to be humble. Help me to be wise, Lord. And in the year 2024, more than anything, help me to rely upon your understanding, not upon my own. Lord, we rely on you. We commit our lives to you in this year, both as a church and individually, Lord. We commit to you our lives, our decisions, our future the future of your church, the decisions of your church. You are the head. We are other parts of the body. 
In Jesus' precious holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, Wednesday night we have Bible study downstairs. So uh, if, if you see no cars parked up here, it's because we're all down there. Um, and uh, it's a little warmer, and uh, it's nice because we have tables. You can write notes and, and everything, um, and it will be interactive. Thursday night we have the seniors' uh, dinner where you bring everything I love. And um, no, no, that's, that's, that's uh, the first Sunday of the month. What, what is it this Thursday? It's chili and, chili and cornbread. Hey, I could bring my famous chili. Ooh, I can't eat it, but I can bring it. Uh, so, so, and, and then uh, next Sunday, we'll see you back here. God bless you guys. That's right, that's right. <laughs>